Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we kick off the series, Refresh. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Stay at home. It was almost a year ago that we got those orders from the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois to stay at home. And I remember thinking to myself, I may have to stay at home for two weeks. How in the world am I going to stay at home for two weeks? And there was no way on earth I could have imagined what the next year would be like. A pandemic that has taken the lives of half a million Americans, followed by a racial reckoning that brought peaceful protests and riots both to the city and the suburbs. And then an economic challenge that left many of us wondering if we'd have enough or maybe even have a job. Followed by political turmoil that divided friends and family in a country whose first name is United. And for us as a church, this last year, it's been hard. Now, God has been so, so good, so, so good, but it's also been hard. It was in April, I got a call from a pastor of a partner church in New York City. They had 18 people who died from the coronavirus, and it's not a big church. And two of them were young adults. At times, it's been hard, and at times, it's just been sad. And many of us have had to say goodbye to people that we loved. Last summer, we said goodbye to a staff member, Chris Christman, who passed away after a brave battle with cancer. And because of the pandemic, we didn't get to grieve together or be together like we really wanted or maybe we needed. So it's been hard and it's been sad. But at times, it's also just been kind of goofy, too. I mean, for example, we've hired staff members that I've only met on Zoom. And, and personally, in my house, when Caleb, our youngest, came home from college, he had to quarantine, right? Inside our house. So he was quarantined in the master bedroom. Now, that was his mom's idea. I thought the guest room would be just fine. So we brought him three meals a day, left it at his door. I felt like I was his butler. For the next however many days, he got the best room. He got home-cooked meals delivered right to his room. He watched my TV, played games for a week while sleeping in my bed. And then at the end of it, I asked him, I said, hey, uh, Caleb, how was that? And he just smiles at me and says, it was pretty good. <laughs> for the last year, I mean, sometimes it's just been goofy. Sometimes sad, and a lot of it has been very, very hard. But today, today is one of those days that is very hopeful. And I believe that by the time we're done today, you're going to see that the future has never been brighter for community and the mission of Jesus. Now, for those of you in Chicagoland, we want to let you know that some of us are meeting in our church facilities in the city and the suburbs for the very first time in a year. And it is so, so good to have those open. But I also want to let you know that I am so grateful for each of you that are joining me on Community Online. Now, with the one-year mark upon us and the reopening of our facilities, we decided as a team, it's time for us to start a brand new series and a brand new series we're calling Refresh. Have you ever been on your computer navigating your way through the World Wide Web when all of a sudden something goes terribly wrong? Maybe you were watching a video and the page froze up. Maybe you were trying to enter your info into a drop-down menu that stopped working for some reason. Or maybe you were watching Community Online and it wouldn't stop buffering. Impossible. Nothing ever goes wrong with Community Online. But I'm asking you to use your imagination. 
So what do you do when you encounter these problems? You simply drag your cursor up to this little symbol in your browser window and click it. It's called the refresh button. Just click that little button at the top of your screen and everything reloads and starts over. It's like you get a fresh start, a new beginning. It's time to refresh. You should know Refresh was not the series we were planning to do. But over the last few weeks, we sensed God telling us it was time at Community to hit the Refresh button, to start over, to reload, to update how we're going about the mission. Now, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, and it's Peter talking. He says, repent then, turn to God so your sins will be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And what we want is we want this series to be a time of refreshing both for you and for our whole church. Now, the good news is that wherever Jesus shows up, he offers a fresh start, a brand new beginning. And when Jesus showed up on planet Earth 2,000 years ago, he pressed hard refresh, the hard refresh button on God's people, you know, kind of control F5. And I believe he wants to do the same thing for each of us and our church. Now, to understand what I mean, I want us to go back to the world where Jesus first entered. Back then, the center of Jewish life, there were two religious institutions. There was the temple and there was the synagogue. And there was only one temple. And the temple was this large structure built on a mountaintop in Jerusalem. It was the place for people from all over the Roman Empire. They would travel there every year to celebrate major religious festivals. And while there was one temple, there were lots of synagogues. Synagogues were religious buildings in each local town or community. And every Sabbath day, people would go to their local synagogue to read scripture and pray. And so Jesus enters a world where the life of God's people centered around these two types of buildings, the temple and the synagogues. But what Jesus does is he pushes the refresh button and he gave the people of God a new and refreshing name, the church. Now, why do I say refreshing? Because in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus first introduces this idea of the church, he has this very important interaction with the disciples. He actually says to Peter, says, Peter, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And this church, even the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Now, what's so fascinating is that when Jesus introduces this term, the church, the word used for church, is not at all a word that his disciples ever would have expected. They would have totally expected him to refer to the temple or the synagogue. But instead, he uses this word. It's a Greek word, ekklesia. In Jesus' day, ekklesia uh, was not a religious institution or building like the temple or like the synagogue. Ekklesia was a term used to describe a gathering or a group of people that would meet in the marketplace or maybe in the public square. It was not a religious term at all. So while Jesus' disciples, they expected him to say, they thought he would say, I will build my temple or I will build my synagogues. Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia. And please hear me on this. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to build these small gatherings of people. They're going to show up in neighborhoods, in the marketplace, in the public square, and they're going to carry out my mission. And so with this one declaration, Jesus pushes the refresh button for how the people of God will reach the world from that point forward. Theologian Ed Silvoso, he explains it this way in his book, Ecclesia. He says, the temple and the synagogue were static institutions that functioned in buildings that members had to go to on specified occasions. Whereas the Ecclesia was this buildingless, mobile, 
people movement designed to operate 24-7 in the marketplace for the purpose of having an impact on everybody and everything. See, the movement of Jesus, here's what he's saying, that the movement that Jesus envisioned could not be contained only in buildings like the temple or the synagogue. The ecclesia would be this people movement bringing love, God's love, to every living room, every office building, every community center, every school, every nook and cranny in society. And why? So that more people could find their way back to God. And here's what I want you to get. In the same way that Jesus pushed the refresh button on the people of God in that first century, I believe that Jesus is pushing that refresh button on our church as well. Let's start with why. I want want to give you the why before I get to kind of the the how. We're going to get that in a little bit. And here's the why. Here are three reasons why. Frank, Alyssa, and Tremisha. These are just three of the many people who found their way back to God this past year. And you know what they have in common? They found their way back to God without ever having a church that met at any of our community locations, kind of our temples or synagogues. Frank, if you don't know his story, Frank's a guy, I mean, he prayed, just prayed out to God, and God answered that prayer by helping us, helping him find us online. He went through our Alpha Online course. He was baptized. Now he's already a leader. Alyssa was looking for quality friendships, relationships, so she joined an online small group. And she found something way more, a relationship with God, and then she was baptized. Or Tremisha. She'd gone through some hard things in her past, but when she joined with one of our families in that 21 days of prayer and fasting, she began to find healing and faith, and she was baptized. I want you to to struggle with this. How does that happen? It happens when we're the church, when we're the ecclesia. And I believe Jesus is pushing the refresh button and saying, don't miss what I showed you this past year. I want you to start over. I want you to reload. I want to update, Jesus is saying, how you go about the mission. So that's kind of the why. So specifically, okay, how? What's this going to look like for community to push the refresh button and live out this Jesus vision of the church's ecclesia going forward? And I want to be really, really clear about this. Um, This time last year, I think if we would have described community, we probably would have said, oh, well, um, we are one church with multiple locations. Notice the emphasis on locations. And if God has taught us anything this year, it's that community is not just locations or buildings. No, we're the church, the ecclesia. And I think God is pushing the refresh button and saying, starting today, here's who we are. We are one church with multiple expressions. We're an ecclesia. We're we're, we're a movement with at least, and I want to talk about at least four expressions. And I want to briefly speak to each one of them and how you can begin to live into them. Now, our first expression, you'll be familiar with this, is our community locations. And I do want to say this to all of you. Welcome back. Welcome back if you're in one of our locations. And please don't misunderstand. Buildings are not bad. (laughs) I'm not saying that. Jesus went to the temple. Jesus taught in the temple. The apostle Paul did the same thing. Buildings can be used for great good. And for us, we currently have nine community locations, seven in the suburbs, two in the city. And through them, over the years, we have seen hundreds and thousands of people find their way back to God in those spaces. And here's our commitment. 
We want to use those spaces more than ever to meet the needs of those local communities and help even more people find their way back to God. But I guess the point I want to make is that's just one expression for us, not the only expression, because now we're an ecclesia. We understand better who we are. A second expression of community actually gathers in prison facilities. We call this community freedom. And this is a great example of ecclesia. Community freedom, you are a full part of our church. Did you know that if our prisons were an American city, they would be the fifth largest populated city in the country? There are over two million people currently incarcerated in the United States. And here's what I love. Last year, even though we didn't meet in our locations, we started our third community freedom in a local prison during the pandemic. Why? Again, because we are the ecclesia. That's what we do. And we're going to start more of them to help more people find their way back to God. Community locations, community freedom. Then there's our third expression, and that's community online, which we took really to a whole new level in 2020. Now, for those of us who are joining uh, us on uh, community online, you are a full part of this church. In fact, you make up the largest number of people at community. So I want to be really, really clear about this. Our digital presence was not a stopgap just to get us through the pandemic. No. This is a part of us being the ecclesia that Jesus was talking about, taking the good news to every nook and cranny. <laughs> Did you know this? Last year, we had 51,739 different people from all 50 states in 135 countries around the world join us on Community Online. And I'll tell you what, we carry this thing, right, with us 24-7. You know, it's, it's in our pocket or probably by our bed. And we're going to continue to use it. We're going to continue to use everything digital to help people find their way back to God. Then you have our fourth expression. This is brand new. And it's what we call 3C Communities. These are micro or, or smaller expressions of the church that gather where you live or where you work, or where you play. Smaller churches that are started, not by people like me, but by volunteer people. I mean, I could start one, but not, I'm just saying not by pastors, but by volunteer people. During the pandemic, we launched five of these that are now in a beta phase. Two are in English and three are in Spanish, four in Chicagoland, one's in Mexico City. Now, on top of that, the enthusiasm for this is growing so much, we had 34 people, brand new people, who expressed interest in starting and being trained to start a 3C community. So those are the four expressions. Now, here's the challenge. If you've got friends that you know who would love to come and would come if invited to a physical location, invite them. Let's use them to help people find their way back to God. If you have a heart for people who are in prison, join our community freedom team. If you've got friends or family anywhere in the world who need to hear the good news, you know what? Share community online with them and share it through social media, your social media feed every week. When you do that, it reaches hundreds of people. And for some of you, as I'm talking, if you feel God kind of prompting you, wow, maybe I should start something to reach people where I live or where I work or where I play. I'll tell you, let us take you through our training and maybe you could lead a 3C community. Because here's the deal. We are taking the church to where people are because we are, as Jesus described, the ecclesia. And why is this so important? Frank, 
Alyssa, Tremisha, to help people find their way back to God. The ecclesia that Jesus described, I think in a phrase is this, it's a movement that was meant to kind of lower the bar on coming to church, but raise the bar on being a follower. Let me say that again. I think Jesus' vision was this, to lower the bar on coming to church. It's everywhere, so it's so accessible, but then also raise the bar on being a follower. Now, why do I say raise the bar? Because movements, ecclesia, always have what they call the radical minimums. I've had a chance to study this and write some on this. I'm telling you, movements by their very nature only become movements if the constituents of that movement all adhere to a set of radical minimums that are transformational. Every great movement has what they call radical minimums. Take, for example, um, Alcoholics Anonymous. AA is something that was started in 1935 in Akron, Ohio by a guy named Bill W. who had been a hopeless alcoholic. He started meeting around these 12 steps and then he started sharing it with other people and people discovered a way to sobriety. Today, that movement has more than 2 million people in 180, 180 nations around the world and all of them adhere to the radical minimums of the 12 steps. Another historical example of movement was the fastest growing church movement back in the 1700s called Methodism, or we might know them today as Methodists, which now number more than 52 million people globally. Well, back in the day, they so strongly believed that the church was meant to be built on relationships that this movement started small groups that they called the Holy Club. And being a part of a small group or a Holy Club was a radical minimum. In fact, you had to show up at the small group in order to get a token and the reason you wanted a token because, was because they only gave communion, the Lord's Supper, on Sunday at church to those people who showed up with a token. So you needed a token. Now, that sounds a little cult-like. But the part they got right was that Jesus wanted his ecclesia, wanted this thing he called the church, this movement, to be all about relationships. In fact, when one of, his, one of the teachers of the law came to Jesus, they asked him, say, hey, could you zero in on What's most important? He's basically asking, what are the radical minimums for following him? Here's what Jesus says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And then the second is like it. You love your neighbor as yourself. What did Jesus say was the radical minimums? Loving God and loving people. That was the radical minimums of this new movement he was starting. It, it, it's, it's what New Testament professor Scott McKnight, he calls it the Jesus Creed. In fact, he says, right here we discover the Jesus Creed for spiritual formation. For Jesus, it was love of God and love of others is at the core. See, the Jesus Creed gives us a set of radical minimums that we are all about. It's all about loving God, loving the people in the church, and then loving the people in the world. So, as I understand what Jesus is saying, if you want to be a part of Jesus' ecclesia, he set some radical minimums, and they're what we call around here the three C's, where you celebrate, you love God, you connect, you love his church, and you contribute, you love the world. Now, if you've heard us talk about the three C's in the past, I almost feel like I need to apologize, because I think we've kind of talked about it like it was like a goal, and we hope you get there someday. And in a way, we kind of do, but, but that wasn't how Jesus talked about it. 
I think what Jesus did is he pushed the refresh button back then, and I think he's pushing it on us and saying, no, you know what? The three C's are now understood as kind of a a radical minimum. It's not a goal someday. That's the starting point from now on. In fact, it's not been too long ago that if you showed up at a community location, when you walked in, you'd get a program, a paper program, and on the back of it, it would tell you, oh, here's last week's attendance, and here's the giving. Well, according to Jesus, the most important metric in the church is not attendance or offering. No. The most important measurement for us as a church should be how many 3C Christ followers do we have. And that's what it's going to be. Because we are the ecclesia. And so again, here's the challenge for you individually as a follower, raising the bar. To love God, the starting point is celebrating at one of those four expressions. And those are very accessible. And then in addition to that, daily reflecting on Scripture. That's how we love God, a starting point. That's just what we do. Then there's loving the church. The starting point is join a small group or a serving team at, a, at our church. Any of those expressions. That's just who we are. And then the third relationship is loving the world. And the starting point is just every day living out those blessed practices. Begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, share your story, and giving your resources to God to further the mission. That's just how we live. And why? Maybe you're going, okay, why again? I'm telling you, because those relationships will lead you into a life that flourishes. It offers you what Jesus calls a more abundant life. And it helps people find their way back to God. People like Frank, people like Alyssa, people like Tremisha, and more. In the weeks ahead, we're going to go deeper into these radical minimums, each of these relationships. So make sure you join us for every week of this series. That's what we do. And as I wrap up, I want to go back to the verse in Acts. And my hope is that this is going to be a moment of refreshing for you and our whole church. We kind of push that refresh button and it's like an update, a reload. We get to start over. It was at the start of the ecclesia, at the beginning of this movement. One of its first leaders, Peter, stood up before the people of God and he challenged them. He said, repent then, turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The repentance there, it means to stop kind of doing what you're doing and and turn around so you can head in a different direction and move forward. And that's what brings times of refreshing in our lives and in our church. So I'm gonna lead us in a moment of prayer. It's really a prayer of repentance. And I'm gonna pray out loud. And I'll just give you kind of some space to pray with me silently. Let's pray together. Father God, we do. We repent. We say we're sorry for for those moments where we've taken something that you meant to be a movement of love to permeate all of society, and we've somehow reduced it at times to just showing up in a building once a week. God, forgive us for that. And Lord, we also repent. We repent for those times where we've done the least when you've done the most. And Lord, we ask that your spirit, your spirit help us to really love you passionately, to be in community, and to see a broken world that we can help find their way back to you. Give us the courage to move forward 
and aspire to those radical minimums. Lord, we want to be your church. We want to be your movement. We want to be that ecclesia. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.